Hello and welcome to the Fire Podcast. I'm Ryan Rhodes. On today's episode, his father's experience at the Toronto Blessing led to mystical experiences, having relationship with and even creating a place for those we disagree with in the church. And is there such thing as a fivefold comedian? Darren Stott is the lead pastor of Seattle Revival Center, the host of the Supernaturalist podcast show and radio show, the vice president and soon-to-be president of the Renaissance Coalition, formerly the John G. Lake's IFM network of churches, and he's a family man with his face set like flint towards revival. Thankfully, Darren has become a friend of mine over this last year, and uh, it's been incredible getting to know him, to see his boldness, his tenacity, uh, the fact that he is he is just not like everyone else. Uh, he thinks differently, he approaches situations differently, and he dares to believe uh, God for things that, that other people wouldn't dare to believe. And he's also just hilarious. I, I think you guys will see that. Um, he <laughs> he had Vince and I laughing the whole time. Uh, we, we laughed and just couldn't believe how much we laughed. I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. Um, this has been the most fun podcast to record so far. Uh, no offense to any of my other guests, but it was, <laughs> it was just so much fun. Uh, so... I hope you enjoy the conversation. It did go a little bit longer, so I split it in half. So this is the second half. If you have not heard the first half, you will want to jump to episode 20 uh, to hear the first part of our conversation. Please share this podcast. Share it with your friends. Share it on your social media. um, Tag people in our posts. Those sorts of things will really help get the word out. And if you'd like to support what we're doing in other ways, uh, you can go to firemovement.com slash support. There you can give a one-time gift or a monthly gift uh, if you feel so uh, led. Um, we, we appreciate all that. It just helps us continue to do what we're doing. So thank you so much. And we will have a quick sponsorship segment and then jump into our conversation. Religion loves Jesus the teacher is even okay with Jesus the prophet. Religion is not okay with Jesus, the breaker of bondage, the transformer of hearts, the savior of nations. Because the real Jesus is the anointed one. He doesn't just have good teachings. He is the, the breaker of bondage. He will transform you. But you gotta go after knowing him more. He's worth it. He's worth, he's worth your time. He's worth your life. And there's, there's nothing, this, this city, this nation, the nations of the world, are not going to be transformed by a satisfied people. They're going to be transformed by lovesick warriors. Because if he's for us, who can be against us? If the king of the universe and all of his goodness, all of his backing, if all of heaven is for you, is standing behind you, supporting you, how, how could anything succeed against you? How could you fail? We could, we could change the world. That's not just a fun phrase. If you'll give your life to this thing, to the real thing, if you'll find the real Jesus, the one who burns with eyes of fire, if you'll get a real hunger in your belly and you don't let anything else stop you, and if you'll, if you'll align yourself with who you are as a son or daughter of God, there is nothing that can stop you. This is the Fire Podcast. I, w- I want to jump back to something we said, uh, you, you brought up a while ago, Vince was hint- hinting at it, but this was something I really, coming into today, um, I, wanted, I wanted to double down on a little bit. Uh, you don't have to give a long answer to this, um, and then we can move on to some other stuff, but 
you have an amazing ability and and one of the things i i respect about you uh and and i've noticed that is different than almost anybody i've ever met is your ability to honor people you disagree with and 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 maintain relationship because i think that's the hard part right like a lot of times we can kind of honor them but we want to keep them over there but you actually are friends with people that you would disagree theologically on some things like some really key points even um and your or your method would be totally different and i I think in the body like especially we're seeing this now there's the you know the whole political demon uh we got to wash our hands of stuff typically publicly let everyone know we're not with them uh and you've done the opposite you've probably aligned yourself in relationship with people in in the eyes of other people and in ways that make you look bad uh which is what jesus did and i just (laughs) you know it could bring judgment on you and like that 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 to me is actually it's actually i mean you're friends with me so there's one example uh but how do you do that how do you how do you keep a pure heart in that and maintain relationship with people and not buy into the political spirit that says oh i've got to wash my hands of you and keep you away so no one thinks you know or judges me well i so man with your revelation of grace and honoring the graces that are upon people then we we know that there that there are graces that are upon people that aren't um even repentant yet hmm um, and maybe, and people could get lost in the semantics of that and say that I'm preaching some sort of heresy, but we certainly know that the anointing isn't contingent on our level of consecration. If that was, if that was the case, then how could you have people snorting lines and then going and doing miracle crusades? Hmm. Bad example. So anyways, um, Real example. <laughs> but it's a bad example, but it, but it's, it's true. And, um, and so a lot of times people think that our that our effectiveness in life is contingent on either, you know, the Holy Spirit's power or the devil's power. But no, like we're born we're born into graces and whether or not we steward those graces that's one thing or another. And man, there's there's a grace for a relationship. And I'm sure everybody like listening and you guys could identify with this. How many how many times has there been somebody that you like that you respected and like and you really wanted there to be something there. You really wanted there to be like a connection. And then your heart gets kind of broken when you really invest into the relationship and nothing comes back. Hmm. And you take somebody out to lunch, you know, yeah, you take a girl out on a date, you know, if you're single, um, you (laughs) get late, you know, like you, um, (laughs) like you invest into the relationship and only to be like, there's literally nothing coming back. What do you do at that point? Well, in the past, when I was a young minister, I would either kind of judge them and be like, "Man, what's their problem? They're they're a jerk, like they're they're proud, they're arrogant, whatever," or or I judge myself and be like, "I must not be cool enough. I must not be whatever enough." And um, and then I realized, no, 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 there is a grace for relationships, and that some relationships, they, it's so easy. It's like the favor of God is all over it, and then other relationships. It should make so much sense, but there's no grace on it. You know, I, I'm a pretty likable guy, or at least I'd like to think so. You know, I, I, I've never had a problem making friends, um, except for when I was a kid. And <laughs> I was a kind of awkward kid, but, you know, I grew out of that. And now I'm, now I'm a pretty likable guy and whatever else. And, like, and like there's a particular minister 
where, um, man, I looked up to this guy. This guy was like the guy. And I got to, and I got to meet him in a very kind of intimate way. I got to have dinner with him, went into this meeting. The next day we hung out. We, we got McDonald's. I was in this guy's car, you guys. Like, like just me and this guy. Like, this is a guy that I've been looking up to for a long, long time, right? Man, I swear if that was anybody else, we would have been best friends for the rest of our lives. <laughs> there was no grace for that relationship. And it wow. bugged me. And I would and 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 I and I just I stayed connected and I would hit him up and and uh and sometimes response, sometimes no response, but and he would do stuff with like these ministers and and I thought he would invite me. And he never, and he never did. And we all had all these mutual, and people would be like, ah, you should come to this. And like, and there was no, you know, and there just wasn't a grace for it. And it hasn't been until just recently where, where I can see, I can see why the Lord, the Lord has shown me why. And the same is true with these other very difficult relationships in the past where I wanted so badly for it to work, for it to connect. Hmm. And yet the Lord it wasn't part of, as Justin would say, Justin Abraham, it wasn't a part of my scroll. And that, in fact, it was important that we actually didn't have a relationship. And so now when it comes to grace on relationships that maybe it doesn't make sense to people and people are looking at Darren and being like, what's what's he even doing? Well, I don't know because I'm not strategic and I'm not I'm not five moves ahead. I'm not playing some sort of five D chess match with my relationships. I'm I'm not saying, man, Ryan Rhodes is gonna be killing it with his podcast. He's gonna be a multimillionaire, maybe already is, just isn't telling anyone. Like like and so I'm gonna build a relationship with this guy because one day he's really gonna serve my platform. I don't mm-hmm. I don't do that. Uh, I, n- I never have. I, I in fact I, I hate that kind of thinking. I, I hope I never I hope I'm never that way. Um, and so, uh, the, the reproach associated with certain kinds of relationships, I, I care less because if the grace is on it, I know it's for a reason. I know it's a part of my scroll and it might not make any sense in the present, but God knows what he's doing, you know? And, um, and like with any relationship, sometimes you invest in something and there's, and there's a lot of juice on it and then it goes into another season and your heart gets broken in it. And you're like, man, I invested in, in that. I believed in that person. I did, you know, and now that person's really let me down. And that's, and that's life. And that's the kingdom. And that's the storyline of Jesus who, who is the very son of God and invested a very precious part of his heart into Judas. And that wasn't a strategic move by Jesus. That wasn't like, I'm going to use this guy like a pawn because he's all, he's a part of the big, the big narrative and this is all part of my father's agenda and so i'm going to pretend like he's a friend no jesus loved judas he trusted that guy he 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 sewed into that guy he he shared his secrets with that guy and Mm -hmm. and that guy betrayed him and and so man if there was a grace for jesus to have a friendship with judas Man, I, then I never want to be afraid of 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 betrayal, and I never want to live in the in the fear of that my heart could be broken in this, you know. And um, and I think that as believers, 
we should we should be wise you know but i think that we should have open hearts and we should we should be able to discern that grace of i don't know why god is connecting me with this person i don't know why god's connecting me with this community i don't feel comfortable here i feel awkward here should a christian even be here why is there why do i have so much peace and um and we should be able to to trust the leading of the lord in that and not really give a crap what religious people think about it yeah. <laughs> so good yeah that's that's really good i apologize for saying crap yeah we'll we'll bleep I did. it out <laughs> we'll bleep it out yeah and that's why i don't give it beep <laughs> it just got <laughs> it just got worse <laughs> what did he say <laughs> I'll I'll, uh, I'll have to do a teaser of the episode and just do that. Just have, have bleep out different things you say. Have, have you seen unnecessary censorship? No. On uh, Jimmy uh-uh. Kimmel, don't look it up. It's yeah. bad. But basically, they make news clips and stuff sound like they're awful by what they where they bleep stuff. And I try so, not to watch secular media, but all right. Yeah. I'll take yeah. your word. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I'm, I'm going to create one about you. So <laughs> sweet. You'll just be adding all kinds of beeps all throughout the pod- podcast. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Do that. So, <laughs> so we're, I want to take this a completely different direction. And let, okay. Vince, do you have anything that's kind of like along those lines that you want to Now let's talk about cats. Yeah. <laughs> Demons or like friends? Cats, Who has one? <laughs> Vince. No, let's go, man. Okay. Um, well, so, Darren, the, when I was praying about this, the one thing I really felt to ask you, which I guess I probably shouldn't preface it this way in case you have nothing to say, uh, <laughs> is just what, what's been, what's God been stirring in your heart? Like, what's been really stirring in you? Um, I mean, you're a, you're a pretty passionate person in general and pretty outspoken about those things, so I could probably pick some of the things, but... Um, even the the deeper, like on the deeper side, what's God been really doing in you? Yeah, so I realize that I have authority in the Spirit and that I have authority over principalities, powers, the demonic, whatever that enemy wants. To, I realize I have authority there. I also recognize that I have authority in this, uh, this, this thing, this, you know, this place, this culture, Seattle Revival Center, this body. I also recognize different levels of authority where I've been invited and trusted into a certain level of responsibility. So if I have responsibility, that means I obviously have a certain level of authority. And one of the things that I'm, that I'm recognizing is that I need to have a certain level of moral authority in the culture. Hmm. And what that means is that there are these different issues that really matter. One of them is the issue of, of abortion. One of them is the issue of, of sex trafficking. And so within those two things, I want to have moral authority in those areas, and I want for our culture, Sierra Vile Center, our church, to also have moral authority in that so that we can unapologetically be political and, and governmental, two different things. But I don't think that, I think that, that we can be political and governmental without being shady politically, that we can really 
function in that realm. And I know you guys are all about that. You know, you, you, you know, you're in relationship with uh, Russell Johnson, and you know, he's 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 governmental. He's 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 always been one that goes after that, doesn't shy away from it. Mm-hmm. So, and I honor that. He, that guy's light years ahead of where I am. Um, so I want that, but I also want to have the moral authority in knowing that I am I am powerfully executing kingdom realities practically. And what that looks like is really getting our body involved, however we can be. And so for us right now, we're having conversations about just bringing awareness to our community as far as what's happening on I-5 and, and Seattle as being a port city. And what's happening um, from here, from Newcastle up into Burien and SeaTac in regards to sex trafficking and children being um, recruited to, to be prostitutes. <clears throat> so we're working right now. We're going to be doing a lot of awareness stuff. We just hosted a talk, and it's on our church Facebook two weeks ago, where we met with uh, uh, with a guy in the area that's been involved in on, really on the front lines of sex trafficking here in Seattle uh, for years, actually. And then the whole thing was bringing awareness to our community, right? And then the next conversation is, okay, then how do we how do we sow into this, which we're already doing, but how do we do it locally and intentionally? And and then also how do we how do we do ministry? So we've got a couple of relationships now where we're going to be able to send teams in to do ministry with young men and young women that have recently been rescued out of out of sex trafficking, out of prostitution um, here in, in Seattle. So. We can take them through inner healing ministry, deliverance ministry. Well, we're also beginning a conversation in two weeks um, in the area of abortion. So we're seeking professionals in the area that are really into uh, abortion prevention and then post-abortion recovery ministry to begin having that same conversation. So I want for all for our people that these political issues that were very that, that that are hit in service, you know, the other thing is um, education. So we'll be hosting a, an education summit where it'll be hosted by teachers for teachers to be discussing what's happening on the front lines of education right now, and and trying to create just a place of of conversation and strategy as far as what we're what we're going to do about it, right? Mm-hmm. And so. This is what what I'm feeling really heavy on my heart is that I want to raise up an army at Sarah Bible Center where every member is a minister, where everybody at SRC, they know how to heal the sick, and they're doing it. Um, they know how to cast out demons, and they're doing it. They, uh, they know how to raise the dead, and they're at least trying it. They're at least going after it. The, the, those results are up to the Lord, right? Um. So we've got that, but also practically we're going after these matters of, of, of radical injustice in some of them that have been undergirded and supported and empowered governmentally by our, by our state government and by our, 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 our national government because um, uh, I used to be very disenfranchised by the governmental thing, by the political thing, and I was so disenfranchised by it that I was just like, who cares? Like, yeah, I, I vote and I care, but really the whole thing is corrupt and so it's dumb. I'm not even going to allow my heart to go in there. And then Bobby Connor rebuked me. <laughs> <laughs> and 
I, I all of a sudden realized that my that my heart was wrong. It's not that it's not that I was wrong. It's not that my thoughts were wrong, but it's that my heart was was wrong, and that I had I had given myself permission to um, to abdicate any sort of spiritual authority when it comes to the role of government in our city, in our state, and in our nation. And something changed me. Something that I never I've been very politically outspoken in the last year and a half. I, man, I've been I've been a pastor for eleven years. I've never been this guy. Like how did how did this happen? Like like I would have hated myself two years ago. And what happens is that when you repent, you become a different person. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so and I'm I'm externally processing and this is why it's taken me a long time because I haven't I haven't actually expressed this yet publicly. But I want to make sure that as a people that we're not just that we're not just contributing to the noise, just squawking and being bold, but it really doesn't mean much, you know. I want us to be outspoken as far as what's right and what's wrong. I want us to be outspoken about exposing stuff that's that's wrong. I want us to stop being passive. I want us to not be aggressive, but I want us to be assertive and confident and being like, no, this is wrong, right? Hmm. At the same time. I want for our people as an army to be on the front lines of these conversations that really, really matter. And I know that if we're willing to serve, if we're willing to give, if we're willing to pray, if we're willing to sacrifice, then God is going to establish a moral authority so that when we speak up, people are going to listen. You know, Um, and I think that so that's one of the things that the Lord's really speaking to us. So these conversations are just beginning education, abortion, sex trafficking. These are conversations that have just begun. And I want to see our people right on the very front lines, working with victims, preventing stuff from even happening, operating uh, uh, with the revelation of the Lord about where to go, about what he's doing, doing, you know. And uh, and I'm really excited because we're going after these initiatives in our church and it's in it's and it's resonating in our in our in our body. Everybody's talking. We um, we raised twenty six thousand dollars to rescue nine children out of sex trafficking that would pay for their and this is overseas and that would pay for their housing food education and the prosecution of of these scumbags that are doing this stuff and um and when we did that jesus said where your treasure is there your heart is also well what happens when we sewed into that immediately it was like it's like we did something great but it was immediately like our heart is there now and now we must do more that's the dangerous part about sewing. <laughs> you sew, all of a sudden there's a deposit in your own heart and you're like, now I'm connected. Now I'm connected with this matter of injustice. Now I am I am invested. And oh. if you ever if anybody ever invests into a stock, you become obsessed with it. <laughs> 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 and the same thing is true in the kingdom. When you sew into something, you become obsessed with it. Why? Because you deposited a piece of your heart into it. Hmm. And that's what's happening at at a uh, at SRC, and so I'm I'm super stoked about not just being, not just having a lot of bark, but I'm super stoked about having a lot of bite. I want to have a loud bark. I want to have a hard bite. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about what the Lord is doing in my heart and in our culture at SRC. Hmm. That's so good because I, I think that's where 
other other churches or Christian movements have failed is we like want to scream about it from the pulpit and from the church walls, but we don't want to leave the walls of the church. <laughs> right, <laughs> like just right. we're, we're, we're in the church pointing outside at how evil everyone is or how wrong things are and complaining about it. And I, this has come up in a couple different podcasts of this new season I, I've been doing of the, of the fire podcast, but there is this thing that's been on my heart for the longest time and it's really frustrating. Uh, and I'm trying to, I haven't, I probably should dive into this a little bit more, but I feel like every major issue, and and I want to bring this up because I kind of want to hear your your thoughts on some of this, or, or you know, see what this sparks. But almost every major issue that uh, in the U.S. That actually actually matters, like there's a lot, like how much tax we're paying, all that, like it it sucks, but it, it doesn't it doesn't matter in the in the grander scheme of things. Uh, abortion matters, you know. Uh, so things like abortion, uh, you know, marriage, uh, what the what the family unit looks like, healthcare, education, these are all things that the church and historically handled. Uh, like marriage was never determined by the government until there, you know, there was tax benefits added. And there was a, there was a purpose that the government got involved, uh, but they don't have a right to say what, what a marriage is. That's always been the church's job. That's always been within the family of God to say, you know, to affirm that covenant, uh, you know, abortion, like yeah, taking care of orphans and widows and uh, adoption. Like that's the church's job. Healthcare. Like we've always run the hospitals. Uh, we're supposed to carry supernatural healing. Like these things there, there's all these, these, uh, you know, po- posts that we've had that we've kind of like abandoned the posts and turned it over to, uh, to the government and, and seen like, oh, this this grand idea of America, like America will will take care of it and like we'll just put our money there, um, and those are the areas that we're most frustrated about now, and we're st- we're now trying to correct it in the government, and I'm just like, I really think we're we're supposed to take it back. I, I think it's something that if we take we take ownership of it again and that doesn't mean we just have to start everything you know fresh and start our christian version of it but like or maybe it does i don't know uh but it seems like we've abandoned our post and we're seeing the result of that but not connecting the fact that we abandoned our post and that's the issue and we've got to take up our post again and be territorial and that's i think I, i love about what you're saying is like uh getting territorial about this area like this this is our city you know, Gotham City, I mean, Seattle is our city. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> no, no matter how crazy. I like, I like how you hid that in there. <laughs> no matter nice. how crazy it gets. Uh, it's our city. And like, we take it personally what happens here. And we, we're going to, we're going to go to war with these things that are contrary to the kingdom of God, because we're going to overcome evil with good. So things like trafficking happening in our city, you know, uh, we want to help kids in other nations and we want to help kids here. Uh, you know, like all of it's important. So let's, let's actually take over and do our job. And if we just did that, well, I think the government would hear us out on a lot more because they can't solve the issues. And if we could solve them for them, I think they would be a lot more open. And that's actually, I've seen that happen in other countries um, where you come in and you start bringing solutions and they're like, Hey, how about all this other stuff? What do you have to say about this? You know? But does that you have any thoughts on that? Like, am sure. I way off on that? Do you do you think do you see that that progression? Do you believe that we've abandoned our post? And then what what does it look like to take that up now? Yeah, absolutely. There's a there's a book by Mark Knoll. Um, 
and it's called The Scandal of the Evangelical Mind. It's it's an it's an unfortunate book, and maybe there's more truth in it than I, that what I'd like to care to admit. The premise of the book is that uh, revivalism has retarded the local church, and what I mean by that is that revivalism has slowed down the the cognitive understanding and process of the local church. And man, this author makes a compelling case and he goes through revival history uh in the in the American church and he and he proves his point and what he shows is um is how on one hand with revivals there is a a return to spirituality but at the expense of a neglecting or an abdication of authority within society and within the culture and it, the book is a is a pleading with the church to return back to honoring the mind as a gift from God, and it's a pleading to the body to return back to the sciences, the maths, um, uh, to return back to philosophy, to return back to the, you know, uh, to to the arts, to return back to these things. And what I like about it is that there's no seven mountains grid. There's just this. Um, this pure scholarly evangelical looking at the church, but kind of unfairly blaming the charismatic scene for, um, for the, for the state of what the culture is at right now. Right. Hmm. So the reason why I say that is that there's been great strides in the church over the last 20 years to try to, assimilate back into assimilate's not the right word is it to try to like come and to salt the the city again right yeah but the main the mainline churches that that have been going after like, i think of like the gospel coalition with like john john piper and um tim keller and a lot of these more reformed guys that really do actually have a revelation of how this could look mm-hmm they they're they're they have the holy spirit i believe and yet there's a big vision there but it's 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 lacking it's lacking something and what what it's what it's lacking is the apostolic prophetic empowerment that's available from the spirit for these positions because the transformation that we need has to be accelerated beyond what the trajectory is right now at the moment. So take just, just the strategy of like the gospel co- uh, coalition to bring renewal to the culture. I love the theology, not speaking of the Calvinistic part of it, mm-hmm. but I, I absolutely adore Tim Keller's understanding of the role of the gospel to renew the culture and it has shaped my theology in life tremendously. And I look at the charismatic church and I cringe because on one hand there is just enough revelation to make us dangerous. We've got seven mountains written on every whiteboard and every revival church and every ministry school 
and we think that if we can get enough glory on us, we can go and take dominion of a mountain without any sort of real appreciation for a creative distinctiveness and excellence and without any sort of real appreciation for even just having a college degree. Hmm. And I believe in accelerated favor. I believe in Joseph's and Daniel's. But what I'd love to see is a blending of the two. What I'd love to see is some really good theology for the for the for the chronos of the timeline of the word of God from Genesis to the revelation from the fracturing of all things to the redemption restoration of all things and and the application of be, being able to take that and apply it to our own timelines. I would love to be able to see people have that kind of like practical theology and a certain amount of practicality to our, our, our supernatural place so that, so that I would love to see young people go and get their degrees uh, because, because God has been speaking to them when they were 13, 14, 15 years old about, about what mountain they're going to go into. And they've been living their life with so much intentionality that they just want to get their schooling done. And they're not just getting some some stupid degree just to have a degree. Like they know exactly. They've heard from God. They know exactly what what they're to do. And if they don't need a degree, if they're going to go off to the nations or do whatever else, like that, they're praying and obeying, right? But I'm telling you, um, I love how Lance Wall now has separated up the seven mountains in order to um, to frame out the culture. And I've and I've used that on boards that I've been on with 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 our city here. I've literally drawn out seven seven spheres on a piece of paper and been like this is what this is the composition of our city and they're like wow this is incredible (laughs) i'm like yeah i'm pretty brilliant um (laughs) like you know i've 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 used i've used that and yet um the the the, man the charismatic church like we've got to get away from our whiteboards and we've got to start like, especially focusing our energy on the next generation and really building a theology into our children. So that's guys, that's what I'm doing with my kids. Um, this last week I had a conversation with my children in the car about what is the gospel of the kingdom? So we had to start with what's the gospel. And then we had to talk about what is the kingdom. Um, and then we had to talk about the prayer of Jesus that his kingdom would come. And then we had to talk about how that's going to be applicable to their life. Because I tell my children every day that this world will be better because of them. Mm. And that means that my kids know that schooling isn't 12 years. It's 16 years, and it might, be, might even be longer. And, and that they don't have to do that if they're already making a million dollars a year before they've even graduated high school. And we're working on that too. My daughter's 11 years old. We're working on establishing her first non- nonprofit. And so, like, if God says, I don't want you to go to college, that's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll respect that. But that's because they are so on point. They are so on mission. They are so called. They, you know, that, that, they, that, that, we're, that they're, they're ripping it before they're even out of high school, you know? And guys, we can, we can radically change our cities and nations if, if we would just have 15 stinking minutes in a week to have meaningful conversations with our seven-year-olds, with our eight-year-olds, with our 10-year-olds. Remember Abigail, she was seven years old and it had snowed here and we were inner tubing and we were, we were tired because we just climbed up this big hill that we tubed down. We're sitting on our inner tube. She's seven years old. And I said to her, Abigail, what's the gospel? 
and we just started having that conversation. And if we're, we're only going to be able to do so much, but we're, but if we're willing to take everything that we know, if we're willing to take the anointing that we have, if we're willing to lay our hands on our children, to give them that, I, I had that, my dad laid his hands on me before he died, and he just said, everything that I have, I give to you. And he, we'd have conversations all the time. And if if we're if if we're willing to say at, at our churches we don't babysit, sorry, we don't do childcare, we're raising up an army. If if we're willing to have that mentality, and if we're if we can get our theology doesn't have to be perfect, it has to be just comprehensive enough to where there's an understanding of how the culture works. There's an understanding of what Genesis three did to our cities and nations, what Genesis three did to our local churches, but what Jesus did on the cross what he did on the cross for our cities, what he did on the cross for our nations, what he did on the cross for our families hmm. and why the Holy Spirit is in us and what he's willing to do in us. And if we're willing to say that the gospel of the kingdom is like the parable of, 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 of the stewardship of the talents, because nobody wants to talk about that. No, everybody wants to bury their talents because they got a prophetic word on a cassette tape. Everybody wants to take that cassette tape and plant it under a tree somewhere and say, if it's God, it's going to, it's going to manifest on its own. And we will give an account. We will give an account for our anointing, for our words, for how we raised our children, for how we pastored our churches, for how we stewarded our cities. Because like Ryan, like you said, this is my city. I was, uh, I drove up to the, the a high point here in Newcastle. We, um, Newcastle has a very strategic and important relationship with the city of Seattle. It's it's because of the 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 coal mines in Newcastle that Seattle became a major port city because it was supposed to have been the major city was supposed to have been I think in like Port Townsend, and then all of a sudden coal discovered in in in, um, in, in Coal Creek and all all up through Newport Hills and up through all the hills here. And it started a huge rush, a huge. And that's what put Seattle on the map was the huge coal boom over here on the, on the east side. So I'm up there on, on the highest point in Newcastle on a Sunday morning. The Lord took me up there and I'm looking at the city. And I, and I, and, and, and I said, Lord, give me that city. Like, give me that city. And he said, what do you see? And it was a trick question. You know, when the Lord asks you a question. You know, <laughs> and I, cause I, I didn't see a beautiful city. It was beautiful in the natural. It's gorgeous. I'm up on the, on the high point, in Newcastle, overlooking the city of Seattle. But instantly my heart was filled with like, with grief. Hmm. And I realized what I see is, is a city that is anti everything. What I stand for, what I see is a city that's, um, that, that the core values of the city are just. This, you know, it like it made me cringe. Like the Lord's like, what do you see? And I was like cringing. So it's like I'm asking for something that I detest. Hmm. And the Lord said, um, in order for me to give you a city, you're going to have to honor this city and see this city the way I see it. Hmm. And um, and so that was my opportunity to kind of repent. And uh, and I've been asking for that. Lord, you're going to have to give me your eyes the way you see Seattle, your heartbeat for this city. Um, Cause Seattle is not a good city and the leadership are not good. They're not good leaders. A lot of them are not good people. They're yeah. bad. They're very bad people trying to lead a city in a bad direction. 
And, uh, and I hope that that morning when I overlooked the city, I hope that I wasn't the only person asking for that city. I hope that may, may, it's possible that the Spirit of the Lord was actually hovering over our region on that day, and it's possible that there were young men and young women, old men and old women all across our region, possibly on that same morning, saying, Jesus, give me Seattle. And um, I so believe that the Lord wants to give us cities and nations, but we have not because we ask not. Yeah. I love everything you just said. <laughs> I I can tell you, I know Vince and I, we've, we've been having, uh, maybe this isn't for the podcast, but uh, we've been having conversations about that. And there's been multiple times I've just been asking the Lord, like, give me a heart for the city. Like I want to, I, I want it in multiple ways. I want to take ownership of the city. I literally want to buy up a, a ton of property in Seattle, um, but that's just that's just part of it. Um, I, I love I love what you were saying about your kids. Um, I you know I I see stuff on social media. I've never been around you and your your kids, uh, you know, in that kind of environment. But um, I see you on social media. I know. Uh, I know like we move this up a day because you want to go have fun with your kids tomorrow. You know, we're supposed to record <laughs> right. tomorrow. Like I love that stuff. Like I, I that's something that'll never offend me. Uh, you know, I, especially Vince and I, we both have, we have little ones and we're like, we just had a huge conversation. I think was that yesterday. I, I'm so mm-hmm. tired, uh, you know, about <laughs> just discipling kids and, and all right. that. And I think what I love about what you're saying is the, the seven mountains, like when that teaching began to come into the church, it gave the church permission to dream beyond the walls of the church Yes, in a way that the church hadn't dreamt for a long time. And I really, we haven't seen much of it other than Amy Simple McPherson and how, how she would impact her government, how she resourced and helped people during the great depression more than her city could, more than the city of Los Angeles could actually help the people. Like, that was such a great example of the apostolic in a, in an area. Um, but the, with the seven mountains came this, you mix that dreaming with charismatics and everything's spiritual, but nothing's practical. And and that's, it's like, I've had this conversation whenever anybody's like, yeah, I feel called to start a business. Like I'm supposed to have a business and not work a job so I can do the ministry stuff. God's called me to I've heard, I've had, I mean, I'm sure you've had that conversation a million times too. Um, everyone says that every believer I've ever talked to always feels like they're supposed to have a business and be free. And then they try something and they fail and they are devastated. And to those people, I always say, and this is maybe a little bit harsh, but I'm like, you're either you're either called to be an entrepreneur entrepreneur or not and if if one rejection one time failing is going to stop you go work for somebody like that's that's just where it's at and it, but it's the same way with with kingdom people like we we want to go into all these spheres of of influence all this stuff and then we're getting rejected because we're just not we're not ready our our minds aren't in the right place our education is not where it needs to be whether it's college or, or something else like musicians like be excellent at your instrument like your your prophetic worship on a sunday morning is not necessarily going to qualify you to go be uh you know a nationally known recording artist it's just not um and if you feel like if god actually is calling you there put in the work prepare yourself know you're going to fall flat like that stuff's going to happen too but get the tenacity behind the dream you know to actually drive you forward and know um 
you know, that you can do this. And there's just like a, a boldness that, that comes. And that's what like, there's people who entrepreneurship is a good example, but it just comes really naturally. And then there's other people where it hurts and it's really deep and you have to be able to get up and keep going. It's the same way in the spirit and every, everything spiritual, everything God calls us to. I mean, I'm sure yeah, you talked about your dad. We can just go back to him, like how he was discouraged by ministry or just wanted to be done and stuff like everyone's going to end up in that place. But because, uh, and, and I think with the seven mountains specifically, so much of the church is in that place where we've dreamt and we've got words and we've got visions and we haven't figured out how to become the, the people. Like we have these prophetic visions of ourselves, and it's a different person than we are now, but we, we don't, we just kind of wait to magically wake up and be that person instead of putting in the work today to be the person of the vision God gave us. And I think that's the the key there. Yeah, that's so good. Um, most of us, the prophetic words or the dreams, the desires that we have are not specific. And so they're just specific enough to kind of either tease us or shame us. Hmm. And there are people that are actually um, frustrated right now because a prophetic word hasn't come to pass but honestly, if even if it did come to pass, they wouldn't even know if it came to pass because it's not even specific enough. Mm-hmm. And so it's not it's not even measurable. It's not even like like okay, so what did you do today to steward the word? Like what are you talking about? <laughs> like that's not that's not my job. Like like it like uh, this is a word from God, so God does it. No. Nope. <laughs> and like and that's and that's where it's like um all these people that are like uh okay, so basically and I don't know if you guys want to get into this or not. You can edit it out. But basically, you got all these people that are like, got all these prophets, and they did not hear from God. Well, why are you saying that? Because Biden is in office. So because Joe Biden is the president of the United States, all these prophets did not hear from God. And we feel empowered to make to make that judgment. Okay, so this has nothing to do with Biden, or and I'm not getting political, actually. What I'm saying is, this is the Netflix culture of the church, which views the prophetic as entertainment. And if it's mm-hmm. of God, it's going to happen. If it's not of God, it's not going to happen. No, the kingdom is not Netflix. Prophecy is not an opportunity to be a spectator. Prophecy, see the purpose of pro- God, from the very beginning, he could have made us robots. We could have been little AIs running around. He didn't. He put two trees in the garden. Why? Because he's never had a desire to control us. Mm-hmm. So many people, they have this I, I, this understanding that the supernatural is God controlling us. I, God, I'm not even going to pick out what clothes I wear today until you tell me what color shirt and what color pants I'm going to wear. You want to be a robot. You don't want to be a, a, a real boy. You don't want to be a son. You want to be a Pinocchio. You want to have the strings on with, with Geppetto playing you like a puppet. God has no desire to play you like a puppet. He proved that in Genesis 1 from the very beginning. Hmm. And my point in this is that when it comes to the prophetic, that the prophetic is not a spectator sport. The prophetic is an invitation to seek the heart of God and to co-create the future with God. And so when it comes to our destiny, when it comes to the seven mountains, when it comes to these, these huge plans and purposes for our lives— we need to say, okay, practically, what breakthroughs would need to take place in order for that to happen? Well, for one, I'd have to know a senator. 
<laughs> All right. So now I'm going to put that in my journal. Father, I thank you that you're going to introduce me to a senator. Hmm. I'm going to put that in my journal, and I'm going to give thanks for that every single day. Thank you, Father, that you're going to introduce me to a senator. And I'm framing it with faith, and I'm giving you thanks in advance. Well, I'm going to need a promotion because um, I'm definitely not the head. I'm definitely the tail at this job. <laughs> All right. So what specifically are you talking about? Like what kind of promotion do you want? Write that down in your journal. Father, I give you thanks and praise that I'm going to get a promotion, and that promotion is going to lead to promotion. Because in order for this prophetic word to be fulfilled, I can't remain in this position. You see what that is, is that's now you're stewarding something, and now you're partnering with the Lord, now, and, and now you're actually showing up to work on time. And, and now you're actually going to the city council meetings because every now and then that senator shows up. And now all of a sudden there's faith in your heart, and now there's expectancy in, in your heart because expectation is the mother of manifestation. Hmm. You see, the church has to wake up. Because we're living out our supernatural lives with Sid Roth and the Elijah list. And God is saying, no, no, no. What, what have I given to you? What have I spoken? Maybe you should turn off YouTube for five minutes and just, and just, go and just spend five minutes with, with me because I've got something that I, that I want to I co-labor with you in. I want to partner with you in. Like I, I actually created you for such a time as this, not just Sid Roth. for such, That guy's fulfilling his scroll. And as, and, and. So I think that I'm maybe not even answering your question anymore and now I'm just enjoying listening to myself talk but I hope That's maybe Keep going. I hope maybe this is uh, resonating with some peeps. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So good. Yeah. Um Vince, did you have anything before? Hey man, I'm all for that. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm all for that. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> Vince, what do you think? Uh... <laughs> the weed smoke cloud came into Vince's room. <laughs> Vince, what do you think? Uh, what? <laughs> you know, true story. Um, when I got hired on my on my job, <laughs> I had uh, dry contacts in, and when I, at that point in my life, when I got nervous, I used to giggle a lot, and I showed up to my first uh, interview, 20 minutes late, red eyes, <laughs> giggling. <laughs> I got the job, but... <laughs> It was just really funny. Was that at, was that at Taco Bell? <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, Taco Bell was my first job. <laughs> I knew it, dude. I'm prophetic. What did I tell you? <laughs> Heard my thoughts, man. <laughs> that was like the the two a.m. shift. <laughs> Hold on. Did you say you wanted a family plan for? Is it? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. That's awesome, Vince. You're awesome. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, let's uh, let's land this plane. Uh, <laughs> so I mentioned to you, uh, at the, you know, before we started recording, you're uh, not going to ask this question. I'm going to ask this question. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> so if here, if, co- here it comes people, if, <laughs> and then, and then after roll. this, uh, we're, we're expecting you to give prophetic words to our five listeners. Uh, Good. so 
I, yeah, you're going to give their names, emails, all that. I'll tell you right social. now, there's one with an orange hat. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, there's definitely going to be a John that listens to this. <laughs> and, you're, and you're supposed to sow into my ministry? Uh, the Lord says $1,000. No. You, come on. <laughs> it's a $1,000 seed. It's been a long time since I've been in a meeting like that, but I, you remember those? There's something like, about there's the at least thousand dollar seed. There's a thousand dollars, and there's at least ten people in here. And I saw this this meme the other day that was like when when the pastor said, uh, you know, we got to raise this much money, like ten thousand dollars, and and I believe it's in the house today, and it's like the pews, and there's like four people, <laughs> like looking around. Uh, oh my goodness, man. Anyways, uh, I'm glad to be out of some of that. Uh, Good times. So, uh, if if all of humanity, if my podcast blew up. And all of humanity was listening to you speak right now. What? Just share from your heart. What? What would you say to them? Just speak right to the listeners. Just take a, a you know two, two to five minutes, however long you need. Just speak right to the listeners. So much pressure. Just, just thinking about the entire world hearing me right now. I got to be honest. Um, I think it just wet my pants. <laughs> not not full stream but a little came out yeah just just yeah, yeah <laughs> like honestly guys honestly no um and also here's the other thing whenever somebody says honestly that's always a red flag and uh be very cautious about what they say after that you know after they say that like honestly like so whenever i hear that i'm always like all right you're about to lie to me but uh <laughs> no uh <laughs> There's actually a lady that worked worked for the dispatch at 911 that told me that. She's like, whenever I hear somebody say honestly, she's like, I know they're about to lie to me. And I was like, no, that's I'm, I'm going to be a pastor one day. That's good advice. So, all right, guys, what I think is like what I – man, it's um, love mercy, do justice, walk humbly before God. And um, – I want to be I want to be known for that and I want the body of Christ to be known for that that we were merciful that we were gracious and that we invested our lives to solve big problems for humanity for the church for the culture and that no matter the scope and scale of our of of our of our vision no matter the the harvest associated with our efforts that it would never get to our heads because our hearts are so intimately involved in what the Lord is doing on the earth and that there'd be the kind of community with such organic accountability where integrity is just a subconscious value. We don't even have to put it on an organizational list of core values because it's just... It's just such a part of our plan for sustainability that we could do amazing things on the earth and yet still be amazing people. Because I think sometimes sometimes success is actually the end of us. And I don't think it has to be that way. I think that a key is true community, true friendships. This, this place where we can really be us and not have to censor ourselves in order to be accepted by this Christian religious thing that says this is what a token Christian looks like or this is what the poster boy of of Christianity looks like 
but that we can say, um, this is fully me, fully showing up, and I've committed myself to this mission to be merciful. Um, that my heart is devoted to the things that break the heart of my father. I think of of David where the Lord said of him, man, gosh, finally a man after my own heart. And I think that, man, I think that if there ever was a generation, I'm 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 so proud of the generation that's coming up of the of this of this Gen Z. I have such high hopes for them. I I love their I love their commitment to responsibility. I love their I feel like there's like this this call to to mercy and justice and to responsibility and to loyalty and. And like, kind of the 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 rebellious kind of just screw everything nature of the Xer kind of thing. And I hope I'm not just generalizing a, a generation, but but just speaking as as a millennial, and just the entitlement of our generation. Uh, God can use us all, and He is using us all, and it's all about the integration of generations as we honor each other. But I have such high hopes. For this, for this next generation that's coming up right now, because I, I think that man, if we can use our influence to really champion them, versus just trying to, you see, the alternative is, is if we don't champion this next generation, then we're literally going to be in competition with our sons and daughters, mm-hmm. to to the point where we'd be willing to sabotage their success, in order to inflate our own egos and in, in ministries. But if we're willing to even um, humble ourselves and disappear a bit so that our children can appear. I'm telling you, there there is a multi generational place where we can run together, where we are loving mercy, we are doing justice, and we are walking humbly before the Lord. And I'm telling you, in this place, it won't just be good church meetings, because we will have unlocked the heart of God. Because what matters to Him actually matters to us, and we won't. It won't, you know, sorry, and just one, 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 one more little thing, <laughs> but the whole thing of church growth as being the outcome of success, as being the fruit of success, that's, that's over. That's done. And I'm, I'm telling you, cause I'm seeing, I'm seeing mega churches right now that are shutting down and I'm telling you, it's not about size. It's about it's about your scroll. It's about the the divine initiatives and assignments that the Lord has given to communities. And you might be a church of twelve people, you might be a church of twenty people, you might be a church of twenty thousand people. But if, if the key right now is is going to be to unlock the heart of God and to find out what what's breaking His heart and to have communities adopt initiatives. And these are these are initiatives that that God really cares about, because I'm telling you right now, it's like we're hearing that whole thing of like the Lord speaking to the church saying, get away, get away from me with your conferences and your services and your 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 groaning and panting for my like, just get 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 away from me with all that stuff. I've got stuff that really matters to me. I've got stuff that I'm carrying in my heart and I'm looking for a generational say. God, what actually what actually matters to you? 
And so, man, I think that I, I, I just, if we love mercy, if we do justice, we'll walk humbly. We will unlock that. We will unlock something. It's like with the key of David, we will unlock something from the Father's heart, and he will trust us enough to establish something on the earth that hasn't been seen in in the modern context of, of American Christianity. I'm talking about a move of God that's literally unprecedented. Yeah, that's just. I was going to ask you for a second part and just speak directly to church leaders, but I feel like you did that. Your whole (laughs) second half of that was answering my question. So you're prophetic. I'm growing in the prophetic. Yeah, it's it's better to be prophetic than pathetic. That's right. (laughs) I do. I do well at both. Um, how can, how can people keep up with you, follow you? How can they find your podcast? Well, yeah, so I, I sell a, uh, a variety of oil <laughs> candles. Snake skin. I have creams, lotions. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so you can go, you can just go. <laughs> There's somebody that just turned this off. <laughs> Is that word knowledge? Was it was it the guy with the orange hat? I think John just just turned it off. Um, um, okay, so yeah, my website's my name, uh, DarrenStott.com. If you go there, you'll find my podcast. I've got uh, hundreds and hundreds of hours of of just fascinating conversations from everybody, from people like. Course, there's a there's a podcast on this almost three hours with Bobby Connor, and I'm a pretty humble guy, but like I want, I just want to say that like I think that conversation with Bobby is the best interview with Bobby on YouTube, hmm. and not because of me, but just that the the atmosphere, the the length of it. I mean, Bobby does about 45 minutes of just Bob Jones stories. It's the closest thing that you'll ever get to hanging out in the green room with Bobby Connor. Yeah. And we okay. did that on purpose because basically what we did is we set it up as a green room and the whole time we're bringing him maple bars, we're bringing him grape sodas, we're like we're just bringing him like the most ridiculous snack food, sugary stuff <laughs> just to get him hanging out like like I did not want it to feel like a sermon. I wanted it to feel like hey, we're just hanging out in the back room with Bobby and he's just going to talk. And so, anyways, um, check it out because, man, there's some really cool conversations. Um, of course, I don't know if people are familiar with Charlie Champ, but Charlie's one of my best friends, and I've got so many podcasts with him where we just we just talk like we do anyways mm-hmm. without really any censors, and people get offended and whatever else, but it's kind of like, I think for me, I think the highest form of honesty isn't standing up and not honesty, honor. I think the highest form of honor isn't standing up and clapping when somebody takes a microphone. Hmm. I think the highest form of honor is honesty. Hmm. <laughs> and w- real friends are honest because they honor each other. And so um, that's what I love about what you're doing, Ryan. And the conversation that we had tonight, w- w- like I'm not on here trying to like sound impressive or look impressive, you know. I'm just like, this is the stuff that bothers me right now, and I'm talking about it. You know, this is the stuff that inspires me, right? I'm talking about it. And that's what I'm doing. So, DarrenStock.com, there's literally hundreds of hours of just honest conversation with um, with real people that God is using to do extraordinary things. 
and then um, I've got a radio show on there. I uh, all my all my radio episodes are on my website. So I actually um, did. A, I had the only gospel-centered radio show on Seattle's spiritual talk station, where they had all these like uh, fortune tellers. They had a lady, and her whole show was talking to people's dead pets. And uh, and I had a sh- I had my own show on Seattle's Alternative Talk, and I did it for a year. And all of those episodes are, and that is like funny. Like that's like a thirty minute show, and it's like it's me on a secular network, just like going after it. So that's pretty talking, funny. Talking to people's living pets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like <laughs> I'm picking up a Fido in the spirit right now. <laughs> he's not dead, but I think he's listening in the background. <laughs> Um, anyways, yeah, and then um, yeah, and then there's different things on there. But I think the biggest thing for me is like if if people want to just like uh, even follow me on on Instagram and shoot me off a DM and let me know who you are and what you're up to, especially if you're somebody cool and doing really cool crazy stuff, because I'd love to be cheering you on, and um, and even, you know and and I think everybody's cool and everybody's called to something, and so um, shoot, send me something, send me send me what you're praying for, just. And, and I'll probably just respond back to like God bless. You. I'll just probably respond back. But that's what I love about podcasts is that, man, you can meet really just interesting people. And so for people listening, if if you've enjoyed this conversation, just hit me up and let me know who you are and what you're up to, so that I can really cheer you on and pray for you and celebrate you, because there's some really cool, crazy people that are up to some amazing stuff, but they're not necessarily famous yet. Um, God's using him. He's doing stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, also SeattleBibleCenter.com. Especially <laughs> especially if you're at the pursuit and you're just like, you know, <laughs> music's too loud. Russell, you know. So if, Hands if are you're looking, too tight. Yeah. If, it, if you're looking for a, a, a new church, you know, check us out because um, we're cool. <laughs> 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 my gosh i i want to can i can i i can just say be? that because people are always quit my church to go to the pursuit so <laughs> <laughs> just last sunday two two young adults in our church like damn we're uh we're going to the pursuit i was like of course you are <laughs> <laughs> can this be the start of a a public beef between you and russell and like Dude. it started on my show <laughs> Maybe you know, maybe that can be my thing is I just get pastors to talk bad about each other. Let's let's not do that because man, I I feel like I feel like uh, if uh, Pastor Russell were, were to respond, I feel like he would just tear me. I, he would he would he would eat my lunch. You know what I'm saying? So I, I so for the record, I was just kidding about everything I said. Please stay at the pursuit. Don't come to SRC. And if you're at SRC, you are more. awesome well i want to say this about your podcast um his podcast is incredible Uh, a lot of the format and i mean i asked you questions even going into this and you really helped me uh get this set up but a lot of my format and a lot of the way i'm doing this has just come from listening to your podcast and i would just say if you're listening and there's one you're going to listen to one podcast (laughs) jump over to his (laughs) uh and then if you have extra time jump over to mine but the interviews are incredible. And I was, I was actually going to say the same thing about Bobby. Uh, that interview is the best I've heard. I've had, I've had the privilege of spending time with him in the green room, uh, you know, and ha- hearing those stories, but to have him doing a public setting like that, you know, 
recorded and for people to hear uh, was incredible. And it's mm-hmm. it's something that most people never have the opportunity to do. But then he gave that interview. So I'd recommend everyone go listen to that. And I was going to recommend the the interviews with Charlie Champ as well. Um, I, I personally love Charlie a lot. Uh, I'm really impressed by him as a person. And um, I, I heard about Charlie from David Hogan. And David Hogan doesn't like a lot of prophets. And he likes Bobby and he likes Charlie. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'll, uh, I'll go check him out. So anyways. Yeah. You told me that story, and I and I shared that with Charlie, and uh, I actually shared that on. Um, uh, we went to Washington D.C. on on January sixth, and we were involved in all that stuff that went down, and we made like a little uh, documentary on it, and we we recorded a Zoom call with our whole team, and that was part of that documentary, and um, you know, and as you can imagine, man, all kinds of people were going after Charlie after the election, telling him that he was a false prophet, that he missed it, that he needs to repent to the body of Christ. And people are just coming after him. And on that on that call that we did, I told that story that you had had told me about, um, you know, about David Hogan, and that meant the world to Charlie. I mean, I, mm. you know, not that he needed, you know, he's he's got he's got tough skin. He's he's a big boy, and yet um, I, you know, he really said that that, that meant a lot to him, and um, and so yeah, that's a real special, you know, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. I still haven't, I haven't reached out to him. Uh, he, he told me to that one night to reach out to him. And then it took me a while to follow up with you. And then, and then I got the email from you and then I just didn't feel like it was time yet. And then all that stuff happened. So I look forward to connecting with him, but I'm, I'm really glad that that, that did something. I mean, it, just the, the, I don't want to get into all this, but like, man, I feel for, for the prophets. Cause like I've seen, yeah. I've heard multiple stories behind the scenes of what they're going through and it's it's revealing to say to say the least how people have responded and I think the heart of the church has been exposed uh so anyways God's God will honor what how they've stood and the things that they've done so yeah and just on that real quick you know I think a large majority of I guess you could say the church that's acting irrationally through this kind of thing, I don't even think they're really churched, actually. Mm. So I think that what we're seeing is the fruit of massive isolation, especially especially uh, coming out of COVID. Um, I, I I literally think it's the perfect storm. Like that twenty yeah. the twenty twenty was like a perfect storm environment where you had all the racial racial stuff, the pandemic, you had all the isolation, and then you had the election. Are you kidding me? And then you've got all these churches that have been shut down all these believers that are radically frustrated because things didn't go the way that they had had planned. And now somebody has got to pay. And one of the things I know is that when people are in community and and they're in friendships, um, they're healthier and they don't usually, um, go nuts like that, you know, but when people are isolated and there's no place to externally process and the only place your only sense of community is Facebook. Um, it's not a real community and and, and I'm going to be breaking hearts right now, but your Facebook friends are not your real friends unless you're actually eating pizza with them and, um, and diet Dr. Pepper. Like they're not your real, like that's, that's a, that's a, that's a pseudo community and it's, and social media reinforces extremely negative and unhealthy, um, behaviors, you know, and, um, especially how Twitter even prioritizes controversial posts 
and arguments. So the whole thing of division is being positively reinforced by social media. And I think that the large majority of the irrational response within the, the church in parentheses is not a truthful litmus test of what's really happening in the church because i can tell you if i went to the if i went to the pursuit right now and i chatted with people that are there they're not going to be irrational they're not going to be nuts they're not going to be going crazy if you were to come to sarah bible center same same thing if you go to i would say any real normal church people are going to be cool people you know and um and so i get concerned because there are really big ministries right now saying the church is so it's such a victim of the modern day prophetic thing. No, it's not. You've got these you've got these isolated people that haven't haven't put on real clothes or taken a shower in the last year and they're and and they're losing their minds and it's not because of the prophetic. It's right. it's you know, and it's because they need to go outside and get get some oxygen. So um, I don't believe that the church is hurting and wounded and confused and questioning God like now, come on. That's just an excuse to attack um, mm-hmm. the prophets. And so, sorry, I know we're supposed to be wrapping this thing up, but you hit a nerve, Ryan. You <laughs> hit a nerve. <laughs> well, that that got us to two hours and 22 minutes, so that's got to be Praise funny. the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. This has been great. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, uh, is this your longest your longest podcast it is you just topped our last one by like yeah. 15 minutes they just keep getting longer <laughs> sweet i knew that and i set a timer because i wanted to have the record for the longest podcast so when you break it i'll i'll come back and then we'll we'll go longer nice. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well if you've made it this long thank you for listening uh we really appreciate it hope this blessed you uh reach out let us know how it impacted you uh, and what your thoughts are, unless it's negative, uh, then you can send it to Vince on social media or something if you can find him. Uh, <laughs> if you can find me. <laughs> or, or send it to Darren. Uh, I'm sure he'd love to deal with that. Uh, my, my, my fatherly heart is open to you. <laughs> uh, he'll give you a hug. Fly out to Seattle. He'll hug you. Uh, he's not afraid of, of COVID. Come on. Um, but yeah, so if, if, you, if you'd like to support what we're doing, you can go to firemovement.com slash support and uh, can support one time or monthly, however you'd like to do that. Uh, also, please share this with your friends, uh, leave a review, all that fun stuff. For that one person who went and gave me a one star, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> One star? Are you serious? Yeah, I post on... Yeah, let's talk about it, man. Let's talk about I it. Post, Come back. I post on Facebook. I was like, hey, guys, can you go and give reviews? Because, like, you can't find my podcast if you just type in The Fire Podcast. There, You just can't find it. So you have to type in The Fire Podcast with Ryan Rhodes before it'll pop up because a lot of it is based on views and listens, and it's new. And so I had, like, I had 10, 10 reviews or something like that, nine reviews, and then somebody jumped on and gave me a one star isn't that I, so funny I, that somebody would actually go out of their way to stop what they're doing in their day, all their responsibilities of life. They just they hit pause on all of that so that they would take the time to give you a crappy review. God, whoever that was, God bless you. I was like, man, that, that's the spirit of petty. The spirit of petty came upon somebody 
and, and moved them to do that. I thought it, I actually thought it was hilarious. I was like, that's really funny. It kind of makes me want to do that to somebody, <laughs> to like one that's... of my friends, <laughs> just to make them wonder. Which I don't, did I ever tell you that I, I did this to Russell? I just, I confessed it to him eventually. And I mentioned it in the last <laughs> podcast, but he had mentioned getting nasty emails. So I decided to make it, make up an email and I started sending him every Monday. I'd send him a nasty email about Sunday <laughs> because that's who, I, that's just my personality. And so he was like, and I would just, I would do the most ridiculous you know stuff and call out stuff like i i called out how the worship leader was wearing shoes that looked like designer shoes they weren't but they looked like it and so it was actually a monument and a, a worship of materialism and i was calling for public repentance and the the worship leaders to be required to wear crocs from that point forward and <laughs> and so anyways i and i used i used one of my uh I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but I used one of my teachers from high school who we didn't get along. I used their name as the person. And so he started, he looked up this, this person on Instagram, trying to figure out who this person is that's coming to church just to give him like bad reviews. (laughs) And like he did a, he did an illustration on making cookies and he had all this stuff. And I was like, is this a, a Bible believing church or a cooking show? And (laughs) just like, I just sent him these nasty emails. And finally, one day I went up to him, you know, after church, and I was like, "I've got to confess, I, I'm so and so," and he just started laughing. But, anyways, now we're That's way awesome. over time. Fun That's times. awesome. We yeah. did it. We did a skit for our SNL thing that that um, that we never got to air. And one of these days, I'm going to edit it and put it together. But it was like like a Good Morning America, and it's like you know they have special like chefs on. And they mm-hmm. cook stuff, and then everybody gets to try it. So it was that we like we got a chef, and it's like Good Morning America, and he's made all these pastries, and now we're gonna we're gonna try them. And then um, uh, I end up getting food poison. And <laughs> what's funny about it? What's funny about it is that I'm basically dying. Okay, and I go through all the seven stages of grief. So I go, which in it's this beautiful <laughs> parallel between that situation and COVID. Because, because at the time we were going through all those stages of grief, everything from like denial to anger to blame. Like so, I go th- like and and, I'm, and it, we go through all of it, and it and it was it was horribly tragic and, and wonderfully hilarious. And but I yeah. So for everybody listening, um, yeah, if 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 you are, have been looking for a long and boring podcast, then please take the time to review to review uh, this show. <laughs> <laughs> and, and put that Thanks, in the sir. review you, use those words long and boring finally finally a crappy podcast you know <laughs> we really set ourselves apart tonight well on that note <laughs> this has been the fire podcast <laughs> And it's late. <laughs> yeah.